2: Before we get started on today's episode, we just wanted to let you know how you could work with Made by Mamas as a partner.
1: If you listen to the podcast regularly, you'll hear that we love working with brands that we're really passionate about. And that
2: could be talking about a brand's fantastic products on the podcast, to someone listening right now like you,
1: giving a shout out on socials or even hosting an event for you. If you're listening and you'd like to hear a bit more about how we partner with brands and how we could potentially work together, we would love to chat. Send us an email to mbm at insanity hq.com That email address is also in the podcast description too. We can't wait to hear from you. Now let's get started on today's podcast.
2: Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe and I'm Georgia and we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations, tips and tricks, products we love and brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. So we are so excited to be joined by Elaine Morrison, who is a Senior Associate Solicitor at Crisp & Co. Solicitors. She is a family law expert and here to answer all of your questions. Welcome, Elaine! Yay!
1: Thank you very much, excited to be here, thanks for asking me. Just for um, those who don't have any experience in this, I guess, sector, um, do you want to just give us like a a little brief intro into what your day-to-day job is, what you do, the sort of families you help? Yeah, sure. So basically family law encompasses lots of
3: different areas. The ones that people are most familiar with are probably divorce, the finances connected to divorce. Child arrangements and things like that. But we also cover things like prenuptial agreements, postnuptial agreements, um, cohabitee agreements. When people are unmarried, uh, we can do things like uh, advice on surrogacy, assisted reproduction. And we also do protection against domestic abuse and things like that as well.
2: We've obviously seen countless films with people going, you need to sign this prenup. And then they're going, I'm not signing that. And then marriages don't happen as a result of it because one person won't sign it. But this is an actual real thing.
3: It's not the same as the U.S. uh, that it's been in place for many, many years. So in terms of just explaining what a prenuptial agreement is, prenuptial or postnuptial agreements is an agreement entered into before marriage or a civil partnership to agree what the signatories intend to happen with their money and property if they separate. The legal rules are complicated, as you might expect. But since a case that occurred in 2010, it's called Radmacher, the whole legal landscape in terms of pre- and uh, post-nuptial agreements changed. And basically what the court said is that they should Give effect to post nuptial agreements or prenuptial agreements that are entered into with full appreciation of the implication, as long as certain things are complied with. So, if it's a prenuptial agreement, it has to be entered into, for example, tw- at least 28 days before the marriage. So people aren't feeling that they're under pressure to sign it, for example, or oh, someone right. doesn't tell you
1: the night before your marriage, Correct. getting married. Here, sign this, and then because you've got two hundred guests coming the next day, you think, "Oh, I'm going to have to sign it, even though I don't agree." it. And we've seen cases like
3: that before, where they just said that they felt like they had no other option, and you know it was two days before the wedding, and that's just not something that would be. Um, considered fair or reasonable. So if that was the case, if a client came to see me, say, a week before the wedding or something, what I will be saying is um, consider a post-nuptial agreement instead so you have a bit more time to think about it and address all of the issues. Right, okay. Things that you have to bear in mind, and this is one of the most important things that we have to tell clients, is that pre- and post-nuptial agreements are not binding on the court, which basically means that just because they exist, don't mean that they're going to be implemented fully. What it means is that as long as it's entered into correctly, the court will give it serious consideration and they're more likely to uphold them these days. But it's not always the case, so that the court can effectively set aside a pre- or post-nuptial agreement,
1: some of it or all of it, if it's deemed unfair. Right. Right, Right. okay. So they don't always, it's not always going to happen, basically. So you sign one, it's not it's not the it's not actually what will definitely Correct. happen fine okay
3: The things that are more likely um to allow it to be upheld are that if it's reviewed say every three or five years or as some sort of significant life event occurs so say you buy a house you have children you get married because if you imagine a case where you're trying to divorce and you're trying to rely on a prenuptial agreement entered into like 30 years ago oh all of the things that have happened have not been probably considered at the outset, so it's more or less likely to be upheld, basically.
2: We've got so many questions and I just want to get into them because with so, so many people needed your area of uh, advice and expertise this morning, so sure. we'll crack on. I'll keep this one anonymous. If you have wishes for your children and your will, can your husband override them if you die?
3: This one is a good question and quite interesting. Basically, lots and lots of people will be concerned about what is going to happen to their children if anything tragic happens to one or other of the parents and a lot of people aren't actually aware that you can provide guidance to those managing your estate by way of a letter of wishes. Now, what I would say is that I'm not a wills and probate lawyer so I can't give advice on the laws surrounding wills or the creation of a letter of wishes per se but can provide some guidance on what can happen if the surviving parent, for example, in relation to children wants to Override wishes. Now, unfortunately, a letter of wishes is not a substitute for a will, um, and it is not legally binding either. But it can provide some practical and emotional support to the executors and family members and trustees. So, for example, you can provide guidance as to your wishes for your children's future, where they go to school, who's going to look after them, where they're going to live, their Mm. religious upbringing, things like Mm -hmm. that. But there is no requirement that the executors need to be bound by the letter or the content of the letter of wishes. And in the event that there were some court proceedings in relation to the children for some reason or other, then the court might take it into account in terms of all of the evidence of the case but the court will absolutely be focused on the welfare of the children and what is in the best interests of the yeah. children, rather than trying to stick to the letter, um, specifically to each thing that has been addressed in there. Got you. Right. Okay. What I would say is that it is still a good idea to enter into uh, a letter of wishes and just be super clear, clear language and give really good reasoning as to why you think the content of it is in the best interest of
2: your specific child. You've got a will,
1: haven't you, George? I have. I've got a will. I leave it all to you, Zoe. Oh, great. I thought that was what was going to (laughs) happen. Excellent. Now we've cleared that up. You heard it here first. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and everyone else listening Um, heard it as well, just so you
1: know. This is from Anonymous. What rights have other family members got? like grandparents, aunts, to children Um, I'm taking this would be like in a divorce situation This is a question we get asked a lot
3: and we get asked it by parents and also say grandparents, aunts uncles, even brothers and sisters sometimes so You don't have an automatic legal right to see your grandchild, actually, niece or nephew, if a parent stops you seeing them. However, there are some steps that you can take to get access in some cases. You can firstly try and agree matters directly with the parent to bridge some sort of dispute. That's usually the best way to try and resolve matters. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't work, you can use people to help you, professionals like mediators, Family lawyers can enter into negotiations, things like that. Um, and then if none of those work, you can always apply to the court for contact arrangements. And courts days, are more and more open, particularly to grandparent applications, yeah, because they're so important to children's lives, if there was a pre-existing relationship. And what the courts will focus on again is always the welfare of the children and
2: what is in the best interest of those children. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, this is from Vicky. Is bird nesting a popular practice and are there any drawbacks? What is bird nesting?
3: <laughs> I, I was gonna say the same. Bird nesting is an set up where the child would remain in the family home usually after a separation and each separated parent would come and go whenever they're supposed to have contact oh right
1: oh i've heard of this yeah
3: Yeah. it does happen and i've had clients that make this work successfully particularly as a short-term arrangement while the finances and living arrangements are being sorted out however In my experience, anyway, it's still relatively rare. It's because I think it remains, there can be a number of logistical problems. For example, what happens if one parent starts a relationship with someone else? What mm-hmm. happens in terms of do people have to rent separate properties? Is that affordable in terms of moving on? It's quite difficult. If your name is still on a mortgage deed, that might affect your borrowing capacity to, to actually purchase yeah. somewhere else. So there's lots of reasons why it's not a extremely common practice. Each family is different. It's not a one size fits all situation. And if it works for your family, you know, it may well work, but I usually foresee thing. You,
2: you can see you can see the idea behind it and I, lo- yeah. I love the idea behind it because it means that the kids you know if, if that's something that you're very worried about yeah. is uprooting the kids and taking them somewhere new and then they've yeah. got to go somewhere else when they're seeing the other parent they keep in one place they're in their home and their parents come and go but where do you like you said where do you go when the exactly. other parent comes home yeah yeah where do, where do you go you're to stay at your mum's house or something exactly and then that's not yeah. really practical from a long-term no. perspective either um
3: mm-hmm. It does work sometimes and like it gives the, the kids some stability and a yeah. time in their lives that things are difficult um, and there's a lot of change going on. So you absolutely can see the logic behind it, yeah. but I just yeah. foresee some potential issues. So they need to be worked through and decided upon
1: before you embark on something sure. like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, This is from Cynthia. Unmarried couple separation. Is the Children's Act Schedule 1 the only way to argue to keep home? Okay, so apologies if this is going to be a bit
3: legalese, this one, but I'll try and keep it kind of as simple as possible. There's a significant difference between the financial claims of cohabiting parents versus the claims that can be made by a parent in the context of divorce or dissolution of a civil partnership. For example, an unmarried person cannot apply to the court for share of the other person's pension, for example, on divorce, nor can they apply for things like monthly periodic payments to top of your income. You might know this as maintenance or the US term is alimony. Shit. Really? Yeah. Whenever you're unmarried, there's a limit of financial claims an unmarried partner can make. And there's some that you can make for the benefit of the children, and these are enshrined in Schedule 1 of the Children Act, which is what this question is about. Under that law, the court can make orders that one person make financial contributions to find uh, to provide a home for the couple's children, for example. The court can order them some orders for the benefit of the children. They can transfer the property even until a child reaches 18 or other majority. However, they're limited claimed and they are not easy applications to make particularly without legal support so it's one of those cases where if that was an issue you're advised to go and seek early advice right um at the outset now the question is also is there anything else is there any other law that you can rely on there is a law called talata And this is a kind of old law. Um, It's not 100% fit for purpose. And it's basically land law where you're trying to make a claim on a property that you might not own or it might not be in your legal name, but Mm -hmm. you feel like you have a share of it. So you're trying to make um, a case to say why you are entitled to a portion of that property. Right. Where there's kids, you would usually run those cases side by side at Talata and a Schedule One
2: case. Right. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Really interesting. So, going back to the marriage thing, that's, I mean, so you could be cohabiting with somebody, have three children with them, but never done the legal thing. But if you did separate, you would have very limited financial claim on. Yeah. Interesting.
3: Yeah. And it's a, it is a difficult. pill for people to swallow because you know this is obviously happening more and more as society develops and usually what happens with the law is the law is a little behind and it reacts to societal changes so eventually I think there will be changes in this area but we're stuck with this sort of imperfect position at the minute Mm -hmm. yeah What some people decide to do um, whenever they decide to cohabit, whether they have children or not, is that they enter into something called a cohabiting agreement, whereby it would be in writing what they plan to do with their assets and whatnot upon separation. Again, because it's an agreement rather than a court order, it's not legally binding, but theoretically it should limit the points of dispute at the time of separation. Right, okay
2: oh my gosh (laughs) these subjects i know it's heavy isn't it but it's so important for us to have the knowledge because god forbid it did happen we would need to know these things it's very it's very interesting
1: we'll be right back after this short break
0: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: So a very exciting podcast today. Uh, it has been sponsored and brought to you by the National Lottery. Now, they have asked us to delve into the question that I'm sure we've asked each other sitting in the pub uh, after we've had a few drinks. What would you do? <laughs> If you won the lottery, we're not talking about, you know, a few bucks here. We're talking about the jackpot on the national lottery.
1: And we are not alone. We are joined by broadcaster and podcasting legend, Kate Thornton.
4: You're too kind. Can we just add to that multi-millionaire because I've just won a lottery. <laughs> yeah, right. How do you feel right now? Like a multi-millionaire. Uh, the, word, the, the saddest thing is, is that I'm so invested in this podcast that I actually believe it. And I'm going to literally hit the floor uh, when we we, we stop recording and I'm realised that my bank account was exactly as it was when I woke up this morning. (laughs) How do you announce it to everyone and how soon do you tell your closest family, if at all? I tell everybody straight away because I am a big believer in um, not finding the discussion around money vulgar.
1: Handy. That's really good. Do you know what? I've thought about this a lot and I kind of go back and forth with... I, You know, if I won the national lottery, would I go public or would I not? And I, I think I I, I think I wouldn't. I think I'd try and keep it under the radar. What? Controversial. I'd just disappear and then <laughs> live, live my life. Because you're a nice
4: person and people care about you, there'll be like a missing persons campaign. It'll be a waste of police resources. You've got to fess up, George. <laughs> so what about you? People have like gender reveal parties and they
2: will like fire a cannon or like burst balloons. I would get all of my, I would get friends, people that I didn't know, people on my street. I'd get everyone round. I'd fire a cannon and it would blow out tiny little pieces of paper and on them it would say, I'm rich. And that is how I (laughs)
4: would would just go really understated, kind of casual vibes.
1: What would you do for your kids, Kate?
4: My kids, uh, give them absolutely nothing at this stage. She's 14. I think if you've been lucky enough to work around people that are very successful or very wealthy, you understand very quickly. Money is um, something that you've got to understand the value of. But I do think you've got to teach them to work for it. I do. As much as them, it's in me to go, has everything. Um, I don't know that they would grow up to be the human beings you want them to be if they didn't really appreciate the value of a pound if you did win the national lottery what would be your one big stupid purchase like go crazy go wild me okay um i'm gonna it's gonna be huge it's gonna be properties ease yeah lots of them uh in different places so i'm gonna have one in ibiza because it's my spiritual home love it there and uh, what about you so um, the one big stupid purchase, I've I got to be honest,
2: I think I would buy myself my favourite ever car that I've never been able to afford, the Porsche 911. I just want to be... A Porsche idea and just fly around that it's showing off, flicking my hair around, like trying to drive into the Lettos and leather. Um, Yeah, I just think it would just be really, really fun to have. And I would just get it in cash and be like, wouldn't even matter. It'd be like going to the supermarket and buying a pack of biscuits, wouldn't it?
1: Right. So enough about us. Which charities or good causes would you donate to if you won the National Lottery, Kate?
4: Okay, so this I have given a lot of thought to. I have huge respect for um what the Gateses are doing with the help of Warren Buffet. Um, so the answer is lots. because. I would be rubbish and not having structure to my day. So my day would be philanthropy and I would set up a a charity grant with my winnings from the National Lottery and I would encourage people to apply for support for all charitable causes and it would become my life's work. It's an entirely selfish ambition, really, because it is just about making yourself feel good by helping others. But there are so many great causes and I love the idea of micro-grants, so people that have got small solutions to big problems on a local level that kind of stuff so what about Uh, you well um I don't
2: know if you know this Kate but my mum and dad started a charity in Africa they've got a school for kids with HIV and AIDS and um and education is absolutely everything to me and I often feel real devastation when I go back there because I keep thinking what if my kids don't have you know like these kids there they just don't have the opportunity to be educated so my whole, you know, my, my whole thing in life is is giving those kids the opportunity. And Africa, you know, there are certain countries in Africa that just shouldn't be a third world a situation going on there. But they've got. So many greedy people at the top, they just take all of the money and, you know, these kids are left without any any form of proper schooling. So I would pump a large amount of money into, you know, not not just my parents' charity, the Vapingo Village Fund, but also loads of other small charities in Africa that are trying to do the right thing over there. George, what about you? Have you got any charities that you've got a special connection with?
1: Do you know what? No charities in particular, but I think I would do random acts of kindness. So I would pay someone's nursery bill or I just go into a nursery and say to them you know what's the what how much do you need for the year I'll pay for everybody's childcare for this year and I just I think I do little things like that um and yeah pay for people shopping in the supermarket pay you know just just do things like that pay for people's everyday life I think well I do it in secret I think I think I like to look from afar
4: it's, we've won the National Lottery, problem solved. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We had, okay,
0: brilliant. Yeah, sorted. Yeah, Bye. Yeah.
1: Wow. Thanks to the National Lottery for allowing us to live out a life full of newfound riches. I know my next move is to get a ticket, punch in my lucky numbers and make all of this a reality.
2: So remember, the National Lottery is where your numbers make amazing things happen, whether that's a big jackpot win or helping the National Lottery good causes across the country continue with the amazing work that they do. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? What is the best advice that you can try and give to somebody uh, for two people trying to remain amicable during a divorce? And how would you explain it to a three year old?
3: This person thought by by for starting the process with a really good positive mindset it's generally acknowledged that the court process isn't actually best suited to the resolution of family disputes. Mm. And mostly family disputes are best resolved through discussion and agreement, if possible, where it can be managed safely, of course. So there's very much a focus in family law these days of amicable resolution. Court is supposed to be the last resort.
2: Mm.
3: And actually, this can be shown by the fact that even before you apply to court for most orders, The court want to see that you have at least attempted mediation to try and resolve matters. There are some limited exceptions where there's, you know, safety issues and whatnot, where you don't have to do that. But mostly you have to apply to the court. What I would say is that it is sensible to try and work and develop the constructive co-parenting relationship from the outset. Because you, for better or worse, you're signed with this other person, even upon separation um as a parenting unit so those early steps that you can take are really important to set the tone as to how you're going to communicate going forward mm. now there's lots of different ways that you can be helped with trying to resolve matters amicably and there's different methods that you can attempt some of these are obviously agreeing things directly with your partner with no other involvement. There's loads of online research uh, resources that you can use to try and help you. There's a website called Resolution and there's another website called CAFCAS.
2: Yeah, And
3: kafka. yeah, so they are the court-independent social workers, basically. And on those, they would have things like uh, draft parenting agreements and they would have some tips and guidance as to what to think of um, when trying to remain amicable. Um, You can also go to a solicitor to seek advice and a solicitor can even correspond with the other side to try and hash out an agreement directly in that way without going to court. You can try mediation, which is a really good option for maintaining communication. A lot of the issues at the outset of separation when there's children involved is a lot of fear, um, a lack of trust, you know, concern as to what's going to happen in the future And mediation is a good forum because you can air all those concerns and grievances and worries in a kind of non-confrontational setting with someone there to kind of help guide the process and sort of tone down any of the comments and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, there's loads and loads of different ways that you can go about um, resolving matters amicably. And actually, this person is just thinking exactly on the right lines um, to try and achieve a long-term benefit
2: yeah and just just to interject I have had to have that conversation with she was three at the time with my stepdaughter Isla when she asked me why Mummy and daddy weren't together any longer and Isla had known me obviously since she was a baby and the way that I not saying it's you know it might not be right for you but the way that I broke it down was I said you know Mummy and daddy loved you so much that they yeah. made you and they lo- they, they're they gonna love you for the rest of your life. And I said, but the love that makes mummy and daddy really happy between the two of them, I said, that has gone away now. And she looked at me and she said, and I said, but me and daddy, we have that love and she really understood it and I said but mummy still loves you and daddy still loves it and we just broke it down in yeah. like love very very simple love terms and she really she really understood it and um, obviously there's been highs and lows since and you know why can't we all live together in a house and I was like yeah I haven't quite got the answer to that one
3: <laughs> yeah I have a, a stepdaughter who's 12,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, and she spends some time each week with us. And my daughter, who's three, has actually very, very recently asked the question, where does Lucy go? Um, you know, and we're explaining to her, she's at her mummy's house, and she's at, and sh- she was asking why mm-hmm. her yeah. mummy lives somewhere else. And I just was, I felt like that might have been a question for a few years' time, so I hadn't prepped the answer, really. Mm. And similar to you, it was trying to break it down under their language and yeah. explaining yeah. that they don't love with each other anymore, and trying to explain it's about the adults, not the child. They don't meet, they don't feel any different about yes. Lucy or, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And I think that's the the key to it. There is resources yeah. to help with this too. You know that there's like therapy, family therapy, things like that. Mm. There's things with kids like art therapy and stuff. So it is yeah. really, really helpful. And there's lots of research uh, resources online as to how to help kids kind of in the very early stages through the separation as well
1: and what to say to them and how to say yeah. the things that they understand. Amazing. Um, here's another question. X won't keep the child arrangements order and I can't afford to go back to court. What should I do? This is a really frustrating position
3: to be in, actually, because it sounds like this person spent a lot of time and money already securing a court order that is actually binding on the other person and the parent is simply ignoring it. So whenever there is a state order in place, which sounds like is the case here, you can actually make applications back to court to enforce the orders and the court have various powers in order to enforce. Now, it sounds here like this lady is in a a, a position to actually pay for representation in those proceedings. Now, what I would say is that it's not uncommon anymore to make applications as what we would call a litigant in person. So you just apply yourself without having any legal representation. And in family law, it's not, you know, as I said, that uncommon. And what I always say to clients, if they are in this position, is... You know, it's not as scary as what you might see on the TV. There's no jury. Um, it's you, the judge and legal representatives and the other party, and that's it, basically. The judges are really sympathetic um often and they will guide you through the process as you go. Now, you could if you really are determined to try and have some sort of legal support. Look into whether you're eligible for legal aid, but legal aid for family matters is very limited. It's usually only if you're the victim of domestic violence or if the child is at risk of harm or something like that. And also, you know, you have to pass the financial tests as well to be of a low enough income, but it's worth checking always. People can look into things like... Help with court fees. So there's a court fee, and you can actually apply, apply to court for a remit of some or all of it if you need to. Yeah, If you want to try and resolve matters before it gets to court, as we were talking about before, mediation is a good option. And actually, the Family Law uh, Family Mediation Council offer a mediation voucher scheme at the minute where they're offering um, vouchers for people to try and resolve matters amicably, you know, to try and avoid court, basically. If this person really needed some kind of level of support, what they could do is that they could consider going to pro bono law centers and things like that, or various charities, Citizens Advice Bureau, for example. They could also consider going to a solicitor and not taking representation on a full basis. So... You know, having a barrister at court and having your solicitor do everything in the case, you can sometimes instruct solicitors on an ad hoc basis, which basically you can come and go and ask certain questions and they will do just special bits of work that you're asking them to do. So it might right. be having a look over a statement. Right. It might be a meeting to prepare you for the hearing and what to expect. It might be reviewing documents and things like that. So that's becoming more common as well. Um, especially given the economic climate at the moment. Yep. And most family lawyers will be pretty flexible in that regard as well.
2: Yeah. Um, my husband great. was a litigant in person. He did it all himself. And like you said, you know, it's that they are sympathetic in terms of, you know, they, they, they do want you to mediate first and do all that. But yes. yeah, it's not like you've got a jury there. And I know it can seem quite overwhelming. And yes, it is a massive deal. But like yeah. you said, you don't have to go down the, the full solicitor and route to get a good result, which you exactly. know he did in the end. So great. Um, now, uh, we'll just finish up with this one, I think. Um, recently separated. Okay to write custody agreement between us without having a solicitor. What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah. Yes, it's absolutely possible. Now, custody, in um, kind of old terminology these days, we would usually use the word child arrangements and things like that, but it's the same effect. So, totally possible to prepare a custody, child arrangements agreement, parenting agreement, whatever you want to call it, between you and your partner directly without using a solicitor or any other um, professional. And indeed, If direct negotiations are possible, this can often be beneficial for the co-parenting relationship going forward. Now, what people need to remember with these types of agreements is that they're not legally binding in the same way a court order is, so you can't go back to automatically enforce it, for example, but the court would take it into account as a piece of evidence in the case. Now, if you did want to do it yourself, there's loads and loads of online resources to help prepare agreements like this. Again, I mentioned CAFCAFs and resolution before, and the parenting plans that are that are there. Um, they can form the basis of discussions. What I always say to clients, if they're going to, you know, try and embark on this themselves, is to try and think of potential points of friction in the future. And talk and agree about how they're going to deal with it before it actually occurs right. and before the temp temperatures raise, basically. So it might be things like when it comes to choosing the school, what's the plan? Do we go together, for example? You know, or do we have a list? Do we mediate? And um, when it comes to introducing new partners, what's the plan in that regard? You know, can we have an agreement that, for example, we meet them first? Um, or that I have. I don't know two weeks notice in order to prepare the child or things like that. You can talk about things like discipline, what's the plans in that regard, Yeah, even things like daily routines and stuff. Anything can be included in these because it's
2: specific and bespoke to each family. Brilliant. Mm. That sounds great. We could we could literally sit here and chat to you all day. It's been absolutely wonderful having you on. What, I mean, amazing. And, and look, I guess even if you're not going through it, um it's it's you, you know you might have a friend that needs some advice and needs to hear yeah. this. So I'm yeah. um, really, yeah. really hoping that it's been helpful to everybody listening today. Um, and thank you so much for coming on. And congratulations, you're halfway yeah. through your second yeah. second pregnancy,
3: third pregnancy. <laughs> I, know, I know, thanks very much. And thanks for having me. It was absolutely um, delightful. And it's nice to kind of share these things on a, a basis that's accept- uh, accessible and free. Yeah. Well, exactly. People.
1: And that, you know, that's why we wanted to have this conversation. And also watch out to our husbands because we are prepared <laughs> now. <laughs>
4: Yeah, you're two you're two walking
2: arms. It all goes tits up, we know
1: exactly who to
4: call.
2: We do. Yeah. Elaine, thank you so much. Not at all. Thank you. I really love when we come away from these conversations having learnt so much, and I feel like with Elaine, you know, even though it's something that you and I are not going through currently, you never know (laughs) what's going to happen, right?
1: (laughs) We'll be prepared when we when we do go through it. Yeah, we we find
2: our second (laughs) husband.
1: No, but all jokes aside, Mm. you know, legal fees are really expensive, and so we really wanted to bring you some information and advice for free, Um, and Mm. hopefully, like as I said, if you are. Are going through it or if, you, or if you know anyone who is then it was useful because it was definitely useful for us um, just to know and like now if I know anyone who's going through it I can direct them to the podcast or I can mm. sort of let them know some of the stuff the bits and bobs that Elaine told us especially about mm-hmm. representing yourself because that's what Dozza did. Well, I was just about to say that and I'm mm. sure he wouldn't mind
2: me, t- mind me sharing this obviously that's something that Dozer did he did it all by himself you know he, did it, he didn't pay for a barrister he just went in there and stood up and spoke from the heart and it is something that you can do and like elaine said you know hopefully it doesn't get to that point but if it does you know you don't you you know the the concerns and the worry about having to fork out all of that cash actually you can go in and kind of yeah and and represent yourself but as she said mediation is always the key um so thank you very much to elaine thank you so much for sending in your questions we're going to get into our products i'm going to kick us off um i am absolutely obsessed with my new makeup brushes they are from a british brand called laura lane and um very kindly they did send me these i've got the face brush set which i think is about 55 pounds and then i've got the eye brush set as well and what i love about them is they are um cruelty free vegan and they also come on the packaging they also come with instructions on what each of the um, brushes is for
1: yeah because yeah. if you're not a makeup artist unless yeah. like someone really points it out to you you're like oh, what? I mean, is, what is this for like blending brushing well exactly they've got smudger eyeliner
2: firm shader all down the side This these would make a really really lovely uh, Christmas gift for somebody in your life or just buy them for yourself
1: I love that <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think my next product is going to be a shock to many people because I got an air fryer and I love it so I got a ninja air fryer it's the one with the two drawers um I think it's like seven point something liters someone asked me that I think that's what it is I can fit a whole chicken in one side and then I can do potatoes or whatever in the other side but what does it do I don't know what it does (laughs) no I do know what it does you can cook anything in it basically so yesterday I did a whole roast chicken in there and it cooks it quicker it's um it, it doesn't use as much energy as your oven would um, right. and then it also makes everything crispier without fat so you can do chips in there and you can just use like a tiny bit of spray and they, they they'll come up really crispy on the outside and then really soft on the inside what else can you do in there though i mean anything name it like what anything, anything. you can do porridge in there if you want to yep you could do a cake in there um Absolutely anything. Anything you'd use your oven for, you can do it in there. Okay. And also anything you can use your hob, really. But But why don't you not
2: just use your oven?
1: Because it's not as energy efficient.
4: Right.
1: And um, also this comes up like a lot crispier and nicer. And actually it can be healthier as well because you don't have to use like cooking oils or and I'm just sold and I will bring out my own air fryer no, don't, don't <laughs> I know I really really do love it um, but I got mine on Facebook I'm marketplace try it. yeah I got it on Facebook marketplace because you can't buy them they're sold out everywhere so how much um, did you spend on it mine was I think I actually paid over the odds I think mine was meant to be £230 and I think I paid £250 for it Okay. Um, but, but it was new. and it was second hand? Oh well, no, new. no, 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 it's new because I think what people are doing, they're buying them and then they're selling them on. Clever. Which is clever. So, clever marketing cheeky but clever clever yeah. Um, um, yeah okay sold you'll never use your oven again thing is for me 250
2: pounds like that it contributes to a flight towards there for opening season I'm not spending it on a ninja but, but you'll save 250
1: pounds on your energy bill
2: okay she's right she's right so, she's right
1: no I mean uh, I don't know that don't take <laughs> that, that might be complete rubbish
2: <laughs> take that for, for gospel um, yeah, okay
1: from um, ninja air
2: fryers to taylor morris sunglasses now um Taylor Morris are a brand that I've known about for a really long time I have never owned a pair of them they are absolutely Is it Hugo Taylor's brand it is indeed yeah it is indeed. Um, he's done it with somebody else, obviously. Morris. Somebody Morris. They've got like a really amazing range. Loads of different shapes, colours, whatever you need. And the price point is actually quite good in comparison to other, you know, designer sunglasses. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, I've i got a really strong sunglass game, but I'm really happy about these. You've got I've a strong sunglasses weekend.
1: face. Thank you. Say, as well. You suit a pair of sunglasses. And actually, and I think sunglasses, yeah, sunglasses and hats in the winter it seems weird to buy sunglasses but actually if you Mm -hmm. buy yourself a really nice pair I think they're 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 great and I still wear sunglasses in the winter all the time um so yeah um this is another foodie product I guess it's a really do you know what a really nice product for a new mum so if you're you know your mate's having a baby It's a travel Nespresso machine and it's by a brand called Wacaco. So basically, if you're going, I don't know, you're going to stay in an Airbnb somewhere or you're going to like a relative's house at Christmas and they don't have a coffee machine and you rely on your morning coffee, you can take this little machine with you. You can pop the pod in and it will it, it does your coffee for you like a normal nespresso machine would. Love it was fi- that. i got i got it for my mum it was 50 quid and then i'm actually going to get her the little frother on the side so she can do milk as well but it's just really good actually if you've got a small kitchen as well it would work really? so yeah love it lots love of that. my friends will be
2: getting these from uh, me i'm 100% going to be getting that as well will i be yeah. getting one from you then
1: um i probably wouldn't if i'd get you one i might be more likely to buy you something like more fun I okay think. yeah i'll get
2: it myself then that's yeah. fine if more fun <laughs> is coming my way that's yeah. great um i want to talk about a jewelry brand an online jewelry brand called boutique minimaliste um and yeah i just i discovered them through lorna Lux actually because she's oh. always talking about yeah. them on her instagram um really great pr- pr- price point um they do lots of gold which i'm obviously obsessed with Love it. um a bit it's a bit masoma-esque but oh cheaper. nice
1: yeah oh wow that's good because it can be it actually can be really hard to get nice quality gold jewelry that's not yeah. hundreds and hundreds of pounds so especially if I mean. you want a lot and you want to like layer it so it's like
2: necklaces from like 50 quid hoops are like 49 you know just around yeah, that decent. price point rather than being yeah. um you know in the 200s or the 300s yeah. which is obviously you know quite a lot but yeah I love them you can order them online and um, you get 10% off your first order as well and the code is BM10 and they ship as well because I think they're French oh wow boutique minimaliste oh my god
1: I'm looking at yeah, how lovely now. are they yes
2: oh my god gorgeous I, lo- really, I know so
1: again that Christmas present really Have nice at, present. um
2: Petra initial necklace which is 80 euros or 79 euros yeah
1: really nice uh, yeah anyway, that's gorgeous. we're going to keep staring over oh, boutique yeah. minimaliste and we'll see <laughs> here and uh, <laughs> yeah, take you for
2: our online shopping thank you so much for sending your questions for today's podcast um as always these q a's are for you we are so grateful for that um and
1: please 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 rate review subscribe and give our podcast a follow yeah and of course if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in these friday q a's then please do drop us an instagram message we're at made by mamas or you can also send us an email um, and we'll be back on tuesday Made by Mamas is an insanity podcast production, and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason.
4: Insanity Group.
3: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
4: Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer.